Should we start with our theme song? We should start with our theme song. It's the Kyle and Greta show. It's the Kyle and Greta show where we work through mental models that help us understand cryptocurrency and Bitcoin. And I didn't sing because I'm a little tone deaf. Thanks, Greta. (laughs) This is Kyle, and I'm here with Greta. Hi. And we're today going to talk about inversion, inversion thinking and how we apply that to cryptocurrency. So inversion is thinking through a situation in reverse, often by considering what we want to avoid rather than what we want to get. So it's putting a situation on its head. Yeah. Sort of. Yeah. Yeah. I think so, yeah. Or it's and something that people don't usually don't do. Okay. So um, so here, let, let me give you an example. Okay. We want to be happy in life, right? I do. I want to be happy. I want to be happy too. I think most people want to be happy. Everyone wants to be happy, actually. Even if they're, yeah. So <laughs> we often try to figure out, how can I be happy? How can I be happier? Instead of asking that question, ask the opposite question, which is, how can I be miserable? <laughs> Instead of figuring out how to be happy. Okay. Then do the opposite of what would make you miserable. Or simply don't do what would make you miserable. <laughs> um, so that's inversion. So here's, here's what okay. I thought about. All right. What to do to be miserable. Yeah. If I want to be miserable, I should insult my friends and drive them away. Get divorced or stay married to someone I don't like. Never exercise. Eat only Krispy Kremes all day. Only ponder the meaning of life. Maybe Greta's got other things she could add to the list that would make me miserable. Krispy Kremes are pretty good, though. All day? Imagine how sick you'd feel miserable. I know. Only Krispy Kremes? Moderation and moderation. Exactly. But if I only eat Krispy Kremes, like I said here, that would make me miserable. We've been pondering the meaning of life a lot, too. And it didn't make me any happier, for sure. <laughs> no. If I never pondered the meaning of life, I think that would... I enjoy it a little bit, but if I only ponder the meaning of life... We were both a bit despondent. <laughs> yeah. When? Some, at some point. Pondering. The meaning of life. Because you don't really get anywhere with that. Uh, it's kind of fun, but uh, if you only do that, then what's the meaning? And you're constantly searching for the meaning. Anyway... Um, yeah, so that's what I should do if I want to be miserable. Therefore, to be happy, I can start with not doing those things. In fact, that'd be a pretty good life if I just avoided those things. If I just exercised, mm-hmm. didn't insult my friends, mm-hmm. um, didn't get married to someone I didn't like or get divorced, I exercised, didn't eat Krispy Kremes, maybe in moderation, and I only pondered the meaning of life every once in a while, right? Um, okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, do you need to actually do the opposite of those, or is that enough to be neutral? Would that right. make you happy, or would it just make it you? It might. It might start neutral. with not doing the things that act- actually make you miserable. Okay. I think most of us do things which make us miserable, and we know make us miserable, and we do it anyway. Like I know exercising makes me happy, and I avoid it. <laughs> it's like. We didn't exercise. You don't need a college degree to figure this out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So start with just avoiding those things. You know? All right. So how does it apply to... So one more example. As a sales rep in 2000, Tim Ferriss of the Tim Ferriss Show. If you haven't checked it out, check it out. We're fans. We love him, basically. We love him. him. (laughs) He's our demigod. He's a demigod. What if the opposite... What if I did the opposite for 24 hours? What if I called... From 7 a.m. to 8.30 a.m. and 6 to 7.30 p.m. instead of 9 to 5 like everyone else. 
What if I did the opposite as a sales rep? Um, asked only questions instead of pitching. Ended emails with, I totally understand if you are too busy to reply, instead of, I look forward to your reply, and that kind of BS. I definitely have ended most of my emails with, um, let me know. <laughs> let me know as soon as possible. Thank you. <laughs> and then I don't hear back for a while. Yeah. So what if you did that the opposite? Really so, if, yeah, Tim said in the last quarter of his job there, he outsold the entire LA office of the biggest competitor. Uh, anyway, it sounded like it was definitely a success and calling companies at odd hours before the receptionist came in meant he avoided the gatekeeper. So he got directly to the CEO. He was able to sell directly to them by calling from 7 a.m. to 8.30 a.m. And he was being more familiar and acting like a human by saying, I totally understand if you're too busy to reply. Right, right. Which is refreshing. Exactly. Makes him stand out of the crowd. Definitely stands out. Definitely stand out. Um, and asking questions as a sales rep myself, I found that asking questions was the most important thing. More than pitching. Pitching is just so annoying. People get pitched all the time. Mm. You know, people want to talk about themselves. So you can ask them about themselves. People don't like feeling like they're getting hit on. They don't feel like this. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, do you want to tell? Do you want to talk any more about that? <laughs> no, <laughs> that'll be for another podcast. Another podcast. That's on good. All right. Artists. Little teaser on pickup artists. Okay. Um, <clears throat> let's apply this inversion thinking to Bitcoin. Don't ask how I make a lot of money investing in cryptocurrency. Ask how can I lose a lot of money investing in, in cryptocurrency. Ooh. So, so how can you lose? So here's here's what I suggest. Invest a lot of money. First of all, you got to start with a lot of money so you can lose a lot. But let's, <laughs> let's say you've just um, someone, I don't know, maybe you've, invest, you've got a trust fund from your aunt that you didn't really like and you just want to, you know, make her roll over, turn over in her grave <laughs> knowing that you just pissed away all of her money. So okay, your so objective you... is now is to get rid of all your money. So, so the thing to think about here is ask, how can I lose a lot of money? I made the mistake initially of saying, how do I not lose a lot of money? Hmm. That's not the right answer. That's not inversion. Ask, how can I lose a lot of money? Okay, so you have... Try a, to figure out how to optimize for that first. You have $100,000. Invest it all. Invest it all. Invest it all. Um, trade frequently to rack up lots of fees. Um, buy high, sell low. It, <laughs> like whenever it's high whenever you it's see tempting. a local maxima it's, it's tempting yeah it's easy, tempting to do isn't it it's like oh, it's going up buy now <laughs> it's low sell so. um and and avoid you know i would i would buy high i would buy especially when i think there's gonna be lots of people buying like if i really wanted to lose money mm. i would buy around christmas or right after christmas when everyone's told their families about bitcoin it's probably be a local you know a local maxima then so definitely buy then and then whenever bad news comes out where there will probably be a local minima, sell. You definitely lose a lot of money that way. Uh, invest in unproven coins with technology issues. So you could, you could specifically go out and find ones with technology issues and then mm -hmm. invest in them. Maybe. Maybe they, yeah, give them a chance. Well, that would probably be a good way to lose money. You know, once you, yeah. like Bitcoin, if you put money in Bitcoin, even if you buy high, sell low, you still might not lose all your money. But if you really, if you did it in a really bad currency, that would be a good idea. Um, what about use unstable exchanges with mm -hmm. poor security. Mm -hmm. um, publish your private key. 
if I publish my private key, then everyone has access to my... I don't know if everyone knows how this works, because if you're on Coinbase, you don't know what your private key actually is, unless you try to move your money around. But yeah, if you publish your private key, then anyone can move your money around for you, into their own wallets. <laughs> all right, put all my eggs in one basket. Um, and uh, I think that kind of covers it. Anything else we can do to, uh, if we actively want to lose money? I felt like it was kind of exhaustive. That was a good list. That's a good list. I think there's probably other ways to lose money, but this is a good place to start. So simply avoiding the ways to lose money may be enough to make money in a rising market. So you don't may not have to get all that fancy. Just like don't be stupid, which is basically a version thing. Just don't be stupid. Don't be. Don't publish your private key. Don't invest a lot. Little by right, little, baby right. steps. Right. Don't trade a lot. Holding isn't so bad. Yeah. Well, the more you trade, you're going to spend, I don't know what, like 1% or $10 per trade. You want to buy buy low, sell high. Contrary to what your, um, your, your gut your, feeling is your telling you Your monkey mind <laughs> in your head's yeah. trying to tell you. Uh, um, invest um, or, or uh, research the exchanges you're going to be using. Um, what were you saying this morning? That um, there's an exchange that was put up on the Apple store for $5 that was a fake. Yeah. It was like a trending app for a while. People were buying it. So, yeah. People didn't even know what they were buying. Didn't know what they were buying. Yeah, so just not being stupid is probably going to go pretty far in a rising market. Diversify. Yeah, diversify. Of, across a couple different currencies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. We're going to see why in the next episode, why in the next mental model, why completely diversifying might not be the best strategy either. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So one <laughs> basket is too few. Mm. But 10. But maybe 100 baskets <laughs> is too many. We're going to see about that one. Anyway, a little teaser. Will you uh, go into um, what you what you said about Christmas time or, or bad news? Um, how does that affect the market? Right. Yeah. So... When people chat with their families and they have, you know, all these crypto enthusiasts and now there's millions of them now that's become starting to go mass market. When they go home for Christmas and all they can talk about is Bitcoin, you can be sure that a few aunts and uncles are going to buy, you know, a small amount of money for them, maybe $10,000 of crypto. And that's going to drive up the price. So you can expect there to be a local maxima then. Um, again, around thanks, just after Thanksgiving, we've seen the price really go up, <laughs> mm -hmm. possibly because of Thanksgiving, who knows? Mm -hmm. And with bad news, it's, it's the same with the stock market. Some bad news comes out about Tesla and the price drops of Tesla and it has nothing to do with Tesla. It's just, that's when the article was published. Mm -hmm. So immediately afterwards, the price is going to be low. And that's the time to buy. That's the time to buy. But it looks, it feels your, your, uh, monkey mind tells you it's the time to sell. Gotcha. So this is one way of applying inversion thinking. Um, how can I lose a lot of money? But doing this more of the way Tim Ferriss did is what is everyone doing? And let me do the opposite of that and see how it works. His is a little bit more proactive. It's different. Yeah, it's different. Yeah. It's different. So, I mean, you have to be proactive for this. There's there's no doubt about that. Mm. If you want to do your research, you got to be proactive. So, so Tim said, what if I do the opposite? So it could be interesting. Let's think about that for a second. What's everyone doing right now? 
mean, people are buying Bitcoin. So you could short it. That'd be a way of doing the opposite. Mm-hmm. Though there's, there's risks that go with that. What else are people doing? Um, you could... Um... What are people doing? And then we can figure out what the opposite of that is. What are people doing right now? I feel like people are trading a lot because there's so much volatility. Yeah. So you could hold. Yeah. Mm. You could trade a lot as well. That might be the opposite because there are a lot of holders. As well. Yeah. Um, You could look at other currencies besides Bitcoin because that's where all, probably all the retail investors are putting their money in Bitcoin because that's what they've heard of before and they're very susceptible to brand names. So what else is out there that looks like it could be good down the way? The different altcoins? Yeah, or Bitcoin Cash, for instance. Mm -hmm. If it is technologically superior, then in the long run it should be a win. What else is everyone doing? That's another way to think about it. Everyone's going to have their own view of this. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. That's why I suggest take a look at that. How can you lose a lot of money? And also think, what's everyone doing? And let me do the opposite. Cool. Yeah. Does that help anything in here that you hadn't heard of before? Hadn't thought of doing? Well, I'm the one that gave you the Tim Thurs. You are the best, right? Yeah. So. That's true. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Um, I I hadn't thought of the the Christmas time or or the bad news, so mm-hmm. that's that's helpful. Yeah. Um. I'm not sure how I I can research exchanges to know which ones are the best or which ones or I don't know how um, I would know which coins have technology issues Mm -hmm. so just doing homework I guess Google yeah yeah it's Google so what exchanges have been around for a while and how much money are they moving around Um, there's two ways to find something out different mental model there's two ways to find something out you can find out for yourself or you can ask someone who knows. So you could try to figure out for yourself which exchange is the best, but that might cost you a lot more time and money than just asking someone you know. So if you looked at our previous um, mental model on Circle of uh, Competence. Circle of Competence. Yeah, there's a few guys in there that, you know, whatever, if, Whatever exchanges Naval Ravikant's using, those are the ones you know I would use, or Chris Dixon, um, or any of those guys in that chart. Those guys have got a, a better idea than, than than I would have. But don't take my advice, but try to find the right people to get advice from. Yeah. Yep. Cool. All right. All right. Another double header today. <laughs> we have another mental model. All right. Moving on. Which is called survivorship bias. Have you heard of this one before? Like the winners write history? Well, that's, that's what I wrote. Yeah, winners write history. So the survivorship bias is we reach incorrect conclusions because our data is skewed towards those that survived. All right. So this applies to all kinds of things in data, but literally the winners write history. So whatever we know about the barbarians, the Romans wrote about. And the Romans didn't make the barbarians look like good people. Like, all, everything we know about the barbarians, Julius Caesar wrote in his book. 
And he has converse, he writes down conversations that happened between two different barbarian tribes. We still call them barbarians today, you know, barbar. That's what the Romans thought they sounded like. They said sounded bar 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 bar. So they didn't write nice things about these people. And even he might have made those things up. How could he know how barbarian A what barbarian A said to barbarian B? Exactly. We don't. We don't. So all we have is survivorship bias, which says that these guys were um, you know, uncultured. And I find that pretty hard to believe, right? And it applies even today where uh, any war that happened, um, World War II, Germans were such bad people. Well, I'm not sure the Americans were so great either in turning um, <laughs> Japanese Americans and putting them in concentration camps. And if the war had gone south for the Americans, who knows what we would have done to Japanese. That's just not nice at all. Yeah. So we wrote history and we made it sound like the Americans were such great people. So how does this apply to... Other things. So... Again, uh, World War II, an example of survivorship bias, the U.S. military concluded that the wings and the tail needed more armor based on a thorough analysis of planes that were hit. So here's a little diagram, and you can see um, all the places that the planes were hit. And as you can see, obviously, the places you need to reinforce are the places with the red dots okay. where they were hit. Right? Yeah. Is that what, that's, that's what that I seems would like think. Right, yeah. Yeah. Nothing could be further from the truth. Planes that took hits in the cockpit engines and rear fuselage were shot down and were not included in the analysis. So, in fact, the exact opposite of the places they thought needed reinforcement were the ones that did. So the ones that were, these were planes that were hit but didn't go down. Yeah, because they can only count the ones that didn't go down. Right. They, they only counted the survivors. The ones that actually got shot down, like you get shot in the, in the cockpit, pilot dies, and you lose cabin pressure. You get shot in the engine, you lose an engine. You're going to go down. Rear fuselage, that's a pretty um, uh, delicate part of the plane. Mm -hmm. So you lose your plane then too. So the places that actually got shot and survived are the places that are actually not that bad, right? And the U.S. military actually did reinforce the wings and the tail? Um, that was the conclusion of, of the report, and I'm not sure. This is from, I pulled oh. this from Wikipedia. This is an image from Wikipedia that I've just drawn out. Yeah. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Cool. So, ignoring survivorship bias, all cryptocurrencies go up in value substantially. Bitcoin up by something like 100,000x over 7 years. Uh, Ethereum up 400x over something like 2 years. Litecoin up 1000x, even more than that now. Cuz I drew this yesterday. <laughs> um so based on that, it seems like, well, why not just invest in all cryptocurrencies right when they're launched, right? Because mm -hmm. whenever a cryptocurrency is launched, just invest because mm -hmm. they're all going to go up. Maybe they might not all go up the same amount, but right? I have a funny feeling there's like a coin graveyard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, there's, there's been thousands of coins that have been launched. In fact, we don't even know how many were. And all we can count are the ones that survived. All the ones that are that we see are the ones that survived, but most of them didn't survive, so it's hard to even count them. So, so here's uh, what would have happened to an index fund of the top 20 currencies, cryptocurrencies capped at 25% representation in an index fund. You know what an index fund is? No. So it's usually used in the, for stocks where you group a whole bunch of stocks together, and instead of buying one, two, or three stocks, you buy this group of all these stocks in one 
you know, bucket. So some go up and some go down at different times, but overall it does pretty well. And this index funds became very popular recently because they actually have a higher return than professionally managed funds, which cost a lot more money. So there was a bet between, I think it was, it was between two investors. I think it was Warren Buffett and someone else. And he bet anyone out there that his, that an index fund would return more over 10 years than the professionally managed fund. And they bet a million dollars, which went to charity because if they just publicly did this and it went to themselves, it'd look bad, but it went to charity. And, and uh, I think that it's over now and Warren Buffett won or he was about to win when those happened. So index funds are really popular for stocks right now. It's a great way to manage stocks. What's is it that? a great way to manage cryptocurrency though? What is it capped at 25% representation? So you don't want one stock to, just because, let's say General Electric, um, their stock is more valuable or Facebook stock is more valuable. You don't want them to be too large a percentage of your index fund or it loses the value of having an index fund because you don't have representation. Let's say one stock is 90% of the value of all stocks in that fund. If that stock goes down, then you're kind of screwed. Does that make so sense? So of the top 20 currencies, there, there's not, none of them are at a quarter. Yeah, well, all of them are less than a quarter. Because in this case, Bitcoin is more than 25% of the market cap, mm. market capitalization. Okay. Yeah. So we, let's recap uh, Bitcoin being only 25%. So uh, if you look at this as a graph from Wubble.com, I recommend checking it out. Very interesting graphs he's put together. Um, just before 2014 to 2017, Bitcoin gains 360%. An index of the top 20 cryptocurrencies loses 18%. Plus fees, that whatever the index would have. So usually index funds charge like 2%. So just to add salt to the wound, another 2%. So you would actually have lost 20%. So nowadays there's lots of people touting their new index fund of cryptocurrencies, but it might not be such a great idea. Wow, so that really shows um, how many currencies went under. Yeah, this is just the top 20. This is not even counting the other 980 or 1,000 or whatever cryptocurrencies. Wow. So if you bought all of them, you're, you would be worse off. Wow. Yeah. Of course, this really depends on when you bought. Because if you bought in 2014, January, instead of just before 2014, you would have kind of broke even on Bitcoin and lost on the index fund, like a whole lot, like you bought here, let's say, right? Yep. But let's say you'd bought here, it wouldn't have been so bad. Yeah. Or if we continue this into 2018, probably the index fund would have made money because Ethereum and Litecoin are doing so well right now. So it really depends on when you buy. So a lot of index funds will say, you know, if you invest in our index fund a year ago, you would have made this much, therefore invest now. And they pick a time, a place in time that's convenient for them that makes their index fund look good. Yep. It's all about context. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So index funds are great for stocks, but cryptocurrencies are not a stock. And I think people get confused about that. And they're not a normal currency either, like investing in euros, which are you know fairly stable over time. Um, cryptocurrencies are more like startup companies. They're not the same as startup companies, but they're better modeled, more similar to startup companies. So we will have a mental model coming up pretty soon on power laws because power laws are what dictate startups 
the success of startups and the success of cryptocurrencies. So power laws will be coming out soon. So the general takeaway from this is is uh, be careful what how you diversify mm-hmm. your if you do choose to invest in mm-hmm. in Bitcoin or alt currencies. Um, mm-hmm. There's no guarantee, mm-hmm. really. Exactly. Yeah. There's only survivorship bias. There's only what we can see. The hindsight is twenty twenty. Hindsight, yeah. And um, we're well, it's very difficult to make future predictions based on on the past. On the past. Exactly. This is survivorship bias is the exact opposite of hindsight is twenty twenty. I think everyone's familiar with that idea. Hindsight is twenty twenty. Yeah, you look back and you're like, yeah, if I'd known then what I know now, I would have got. Uh, I don't know, an accounting degree instead of whatever, right? I would have never dated that guy, right? (laughs) Survivorship bias is the exact opposite. It means that our information in the future will be worse than it is in the present. Is that mind-blowing or what? How will you explain that? Yeah, so in hindsight's 2020, you know what happened in the past and you would have done things differently then. Yeah. With survivorship bias, you don't even have the data from the past to make projections about the future. And any projections you make oh, will right. be biased yeah. by the data you have. Right. So taking an airplane, you only looking mm-hmm. at airplanes that survived will be looking at the wrong airplanes. And you can't even look at the right airplanes because they're down. You know, They're somewhere mm-hmm. down in like Germany or wherever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do we ignore all that? Ignore all what? Do we have to try to ignore that, that bias? <clears throat> well, do Don't we, ignore the bias. You want to know that the bias is be there. Aware, I mean, be, sorry, be aware of it, but mm-hmm. how do we make decisions from it, knowing that it's there? I think, yeah. Well, what would, what would you do now? You're aware <laughs> of survivorship bias. Let me kick it back to you. Um, it's tough. I mean, um, I think it's... Uh, I don't know. I mean, not um, not taking all the ICOs, the initial coin offerings mm-hmm. of any currency that pops up. Really, I don't see how it can help you make a decision now. Now you're just more confused. Yeah. Now you're just more confused. Good. All right. So we're going to look at power laws next, and I think that will clear up the confusion. Okay, good. Yeah. Looking at the, looking at the success of current coins is what is... Is misleading. That's what survivorship bias says. Mm-hmm. If you're trying to invest now based on the success of current coins, that's very misleading. Ignore those. Ignore those. Think about the power law coming up next. Okay. All right. Thank you. Good. Good job, Greta. High five. You're a great student. <laughs> I'm your grasshopper. Grasshopper. Thanks, grasshopper.